0: All right. Well, this is this is the this is the end of our Colossians series for the last five weeks. This is one of, this is one of the longest series that we've done. I hope that you guys have has, has the Colossians series helped anybody. Anybody got anything out of the Colossians thing? All right. That's, that's, Sounds like a majority. That's good. That's a, that's a good... I'm, I'm okay with that. We're, we're toying with the idea of some longer series next year. Specifically pertain to as we walk through uh, books of the Bible. So that's what we've done with the book of Colossians. Uh, in week one, we talked uh, about the supremacy and the f- sufficiency of Jesus. We've, that's been a recurring theme all throughout. Last week, we, we dove into this idea of how we should be fighting against sin and we should be pushing back against all the, the evil forces that would come against us and that we should have a, a passionate like vehement hatred for the sin that we find in our own lives. And today we're going to conclude this series with some of the, a little bit more encouraging line of, of thinking, a little bit, a little more. Paul, cha- Paul changes his tone just a bit as he's writing this letter to the church at Colossae. His, his tone changes just a bit from, you got to hate sin and you got to hate all the evil that's in you. You got to hate all the, the fleshly, worldly stuff that's in you. He, he changes his tone a bit to go a bit more, And to kind of set up what Paul wants to get across, I thought I would take some time to talk about a key difference between men and women. You guys ready for this? You guys know men and women differ very, very much in the way that they think, right? Like there's just a different way that men and women tend to think. Men um, are way better or worse, depending on your perspective, at compartmentalization. Here's what I mean by that. That we we do very well at leaving work at work, home at home, and all that other kind of stuff. But for women, it's much 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 different. Let me see. So men, I, I like to think about my life if I'm a because I'm a guy. Um, I like to think of my life in terms of buckets, right? Like I have I have a work bucket, you know, and this is my work bucket. And sometimes it gets kind of heavy, like. There's nothing in this one. It's empty. But I'm going to fake like there's something in it. So if it's heavy and, like, I'm struggling with work and I get home, work bucket down, now I'm in my home bucket. I like my home, but I like being at home. I like home. Home, home is fun for me. I like home. And, and, ladies, men have a bucket that you don't know about. Some of us learned this a couple years ago from a guy named Mark Gunger who talked about uh, how he didn't use buckets. He used boxes. But he said that men... Have a box with nothing in it. We, he called it our nothing, so it's gonna be my nothing bucket, right? So, so if I've had a hard day at work, and even like, sometimes home can be kind of stressful, right? Like, you got kids, and if you're a dude, you got a you know, wife and kids, and uh, cleaning up and fixing up and repairing and all that kind of stuff, so you got a home bucket. For me, what I like to do when I get home, the first thing I do, I like to go get my nothing bucket. I put my work bucket down, and before I can get all involved with my home bucket, I like to spend some time in my nothing bucket. And ladies, y'all can't relate. Because you may tell you why, I know why you can't relate. Because every now and then, ladies, you'll ask this question. What are you thinking about? <laughs> and what, what does your man say? Nothing. And you're like, how can you think about it? You can't think about nothing. You don't even understand. That's because he's all up in the nothing bucket. And there's literally nothing going on. You can watch. I, I, I have watched TV. And my wife will come in and say, what are you watching? I got no idea. You know why? Because I'm in the nothing bucket. I'm just all up in my, it's all by itself. Right? So I'll put, and then, you know, eventually, I'll put down the nothing bucket. And now, now I'm ready to be at home. This is my home bucket. And at home, I got, I got my family, right? My kids have their parents. And so th- th- this is a, a separate bucket for me and for a lot of you, especially if you're a little bit younger. Uh, you have a way of dealing with your parents that is completely different than the way you deal with, with school or anything else. I don't have school up here, I, I, but I do have parents. So if you're, if, you're like a, if you're a teenager, you have a way of dealing with your parents that is very different then the rest of your life, so that bucket will be up here. Um, what we do for fun, how we, how we you know, hang out with our spouse. All of these for men are just different buckets, right? And, and while, I'm, while I'm hanging out with my spouse, like I got a spouse bucket. Right, I, this is the way that I deal with my wife, and that's how she and I relate. And sometimes we do fun things together, so we've got some hobbies that we do, and we've got some friends that we hang out with, and I got all this stuff going on and a big part of our lives is Jesus. Right? Like, a lot of us, we have a bucket for Jesus. This is where our church life and our connect group and some of the things that we do, they, they, these are, that's, my, that's my Jesus bucket. Now, women, this is how men work, right? Like, I'm only going to carry one bucket at a time. So when I'm at home, I got my home bucket. And even at home, sometimes I have to put down the take care of the house bucket And I got to go deal with my spouse for a little bit, so I'll I'll, I'll hang out with her for a little bit. And I got my spouse bucket. And then I got my family bucket over here, because sometimes, you know, family is is, is a little chaotic sometimes, and you got family that isn't in your house, and so you got to manage life with them and all that kind of stuff. And men are great at keeping our buckets separate, because that's the way that we like life. Now, women, if I could depict. What it looks like trying to have a conversation with my wife, right? And when she gets home from work, and when family ain't going the way that she wants it to go, and all like she's, every conversation that we have, is she's not dealing in one bucket; she's got all of them. Right, and everything touches everything, and she's complicated and beautiful and complex and awkward and weird and awesome. All like it's there's so much coming. This, ladies, this is why your men get so confused with you sometimes. <laughs> and men, this is why you can't figure out why she doesn't feel romantic when she's had a bad day with you or with the house or with her friends or with her job, she comes home after a hard day at work, and you can't figure out why she doesn't want to be romantic, and that's cuz she's carrying all these buckets all at the same time and you can't relate. Now, even though men and w- women think very very differently in just about every regard, all of us, all of us have buckets. It's just a difference in how many buckets we carry around at the same time and how many we operate in or how many we are trying to pour into or how many of them are stressing us out. And so Paul is going to make some pretty demanding declarations about how life is supposed to work. And from Paul's perspective... Even though we all have all of these buckets that we're trying to fit stuff into and that we're trying to work out and we're trying to get figured out. and We're trying to manage and we're trying to, you know, men and women trying to get along and relate together and having trouble doing so. We've got all these things that we're trying to figure out how to live through and how to operate in and how to work through. And here's what Paul's going to say. In Colossians chapter 3, starting in verse 12, Paul says this. Put on then, remember, he's going to get real positive now. Been kind of negative of late in his letter. Paul's going to get real positive. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which bonds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts to which indeed you were called and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And this is where Paul gets really pointed. And whatever you Do. In word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Here's what Paul is saying. In every interaction that we have, in every single thing that we do, not just the spiritual ones, not just in my Jesus bucket, but in all of the things that we do, we should be able to say, I am doing this thing, whatever this thing might be. I am doing this in the name of Jesus. Now, Christians, when we, when we pray, you've probably noticed that most Christians at the end of their prayer will, will say, in, in Jesus' name. And, and that has kind of become, if you grew up in church, maybe you don't even know why we pray in Jesus' name is just kind of the thing that you tack on to the, end, to the end of the prayer. Kind of like when you're getting ready to leave somebody's house, you're like, all right, y'all, we'll see you later, talk to you later, bye-bye. And like, that's kind of like the precursor to the end of your time together. That, that, that has kind of become the in Jesus' name, amen. That we, that's just how we know that the prayer is getting ready to end. But that's not at all what that, that phrase means. It actually has two parts, two reasons that we pray in name. Jesus' name. Firstly, because the only manner that we have, the only method that we have to be able to connect with our Heavenly Father is through Jesus, His Son. That if Jesus were not our Savior, then we do not have access to to communion and fellowship with the Father. That we don't get to be in relationship with the Father unless we come to Him through Christ or in Jesus' name. There's another part to it as well. And Jesus actually taught us this, taught His disciples this, who then related to us, and it's found in John chapter 14. I'll give you just an excerpt of what Jesus was teaching here. And he says this in John 14, verses 13 and 14. He says, whatever you ask in my name, this I will do. That the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it now. We got we got I got to do some clarification here cuz some of y'all are like, I would love a new car in Jesus name. <laughs> and that's not at all what Jesus was teaching here. What Jesus was saying is that when we get on the same page with him and when we approach the Father through Jesus the Son in everything that we do, in and all of our thought process and all of our motivations and all of the things that influence us, that our desire is to glorify the son so that the father would also be glorified that if that is our intention and we are asking and seeking and pursuing things for the name of Jesus and in the name of Jesus then he is happy to do those things because they bring glory and honor to his name which also brings glory and father and honor to the father what that means is that when we do anything. When we, I'm asking for these things according to Jesus' will for his glory and in his power. That is why we conclude our prayers typically with in Jesus' name, because it is for your glory and only through your power that all things are accomplished. That means And when you sit down at your desk chair on Monday and you open up your inbox and you've got all these emails to respond to before you fire off that first reply. like I send these emails today in Jesus name. When a person tries to merge ahead of you in traffic. Right. I'm going to let you in in Jesus name. Right. Like I'm going to let you get over when you get off work early to go play a round of golf. I'm going to enjoy this round of golf in Jesus' name. Or I'm going to go to an early movie with a friend. I'm going to go to the movies in Jesus' name. I'm going to do everything in my life in Jesus' name. Because Paul said, whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus. Now, I'm not saying that we say this out loud every time we do it. People think Christians are weird enough already. Don't do that. I'm not advocating that we verbalize it every time that we do something in Jesus' name, that we say, I'm doing this in Jesus. Now, I don't think we have to do that. But it does have to be part of our thought process. That every single day, every word you say, every breath you take, every move you make, yes, he is watching you. (laughs) And you should do those things. Every breath you... Yeah, I know it. Right? I'm a, Like, you can just take that song. It's called Every Step I Take, by the way. I thought it was I'll Be Watching You. They didn't name it that. They called it Every Step You Take because they were trying to be PC even back then. But if you take, like, every line in that song, you could add at the end of it in Jesus' name, right? Because that is how he is watching you. But that, it's not creepy. Like, it's, it's in a good way because he loves you. He's keeping, he's keeping tabs, right? So Paul then goes on to outline what this looks like in everyday life. In, in verses 18 through 22, Paul's going to talk about how we deal wife to husband and husband to wife and parent to kid and kid to parent. And he's going to talk about how, how servants and masters deal with one another and how bosses and employees are to relate to one another. in, in, in this kind of you know, bosses to employees, employees to bosses, all this stuff. Paul's going to lay out for us what this looks like lived out in everyday life, where every single thing we do, we do in the name of God of Jesus and the point is that every interaction in every one of these relationships that Paul's going to outline that everything in those relationships is done first to and for Jesus you may look like you're doing things for them but ultimately our lives are to be centered on and done for and lived for Christ. And then after Paul outlines this stuff in 18 through 22, then he's gonna, he's gonna repeat himself. Remember how we've talked when we talked about how to study scripture, that we say, look for things that get repeated. So Paul just told us in verse 17, and everything you do, do it as if you're doing it for Christ. And then look what he says in verse 23. Whatever you do, verse 23, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward, you are serving Christ. So Paul, Paul just bookended the most common relationships that most people will, will have in their life. Spouses and family and marriage and jobs and employees and bosses. And all. He outlines all these relationships. And he says, and whatever you do in all of these everyday, mundane interactions with people, do as if you're doing for Christ because you're serving the Lord. So here's the big idea. Now, before I before I give it to you, I'm a bit of a wordsmith. I I like to I like to be creative with the way that I word things because I think it it it, I think it it makes me feel good when I I enjoy the, the creative nature of trying to find really, really sticky ways for things to say things so that you'll remember them. I couldn't figure out a better way to say this than the most simplest way to say it. So this is the big idea for today's message. It's super profound and really creative. You ready for it? Here it comes. Everything we do, we do for Christ. There it is. That's as creative as I could be with what Paul is trying to get across here. Everything we do is for Christ. Whatever you do, work as if you serve Christ And heaven is the reward. We're to serve Christ of every second of every day. So when you're making a decision, right, we talked about the person that's going to cut you off in traffic. When you're making a decision how to respond to the person that cuts you off in traffic, right, even though they deserve a long horn blast, that's my favorite. I like to just, just just lay on the horn an obscene amount of time so that they know what an idiot they are. That's how I... My decision to do that is first and foremost to Jesus. Right? Before you give them the one-finger salute, wrong finger, I know, I got to, like before you give them the one-finger salute, your decision of how you interact with that person is first and foremost a decision to how you respond to Jesus. And though they may deserve a long horn blast or the one-finger salute, Jesus does not. And your interaction with every person is first and foremost an interaction with the Savior you say you believe in When you're doing your job, you are doing it first and foremost as an offering to him. And though your boss may be a jerk and you may be deserving of a raise that isn't coming anytime soon, your boss may deserve you to do your work poorly, but Jesus does not. Jesus deserves our best. And that's what he'll get because I'm not working first and foremost for my boss, but for my Savior. When I counsel couples that are getting ready to get married, one of the principles that I lay out for them It's this idea of of loving your spouse in the way that Christ deserves you to love him. My actions as a husband are not rooted in what my wife deserves, but in what Christ deserves. That means that I am obligated to love her well, even when she is not very lovable. And the same goes for her to me in our house. She gets a lot more practice at loving in spite of the other's behavior than I do. Right. But she but she is obligated as a Christian, as a Christ follower to love me well, even at my most unlovable. because her reactions and interactions with me are first and foremost, how she is honoring and responding to her savior. Children, your parents. Listen to me, teenagers. I'm talk to the to the students for a minute. Your parents may not be. Your parents are not perfect people, but they are the God-appointed authority in your life at this moment. And your obedience and your respect and your love for your parents is first and foremost a sign of your obedience, respect to your Savior that has placed them over you in their God-given role of authority in your life. So how you treat your parents is a reflection of the love that you have for your Savior. This applies to absolutely Everything. Here's, here's my point. Is that when we think of our lives in buckets, everything gets a piece of us. And one of, the, one of the primary things that we try to do is we try to make Jesus just one more bucket that we're trying to fill. That I have a way that I interact with Jesus. I go to church. I go to my connect group. When I'm hanging out at student group, and when I'm hanging out with my Christian friends, I act one way. When I'm doing something else, I behave and act and think and respond a different way. When we try to make Jesus just one more thing, we'll always be hindered by religious obligation, trying to fill this up with our behavior. If I could just, maybe I can give just enough to make God happy and keep God happy with me. If I go to church, then maybe God will be happy. And I'm trying to fill up my Jesus bucket with all of this religious activity. Right? And then when I'm done trying to fill up my, and it never gets full because religious obligations never fill up our, our God bucket or our Jesus bucket. And when I'm, when I'm done operating with Jesus, now I'm going to go out and I'm going to have some fun, but my fun life looks very little like my Jesus life. Like what I do on Fridays and Saturday nights looks very different than what I do on Sunday mornings. Some of y'all feeling guilty, I'll just leave it at that. When I go to my job... When I do my work, I don't look or sound a whole lot like Jesus, because this is my work life. Like, I'll go do the Sunday stuff and the connect group stuff, and I I might read my Bible every now and then. I'm going to give my God tax, or I'm going to give my offer. I'm going to give my tithe, or I'm going to give my God tax, keep God on my side, because some of us think about giving that way. And all of this, everything stays separate. Here's what Paul's trying to get across is that the best way to honor the savior that has given his life that you might have a relationship with him and with your heavenly father is to not make Jesus a separate bucket. But the best way to fill up your Jesus bucket is by filling it with the way that you honor Christ with your work, with the way that you respond and interact with your parents, the way that you interact with and show love to your family, the way that you manage your home, the things that you do for fun. Look, I spent a, lot, a long time of my life not knowing that I could have fun as a Christian. Like fun is something that I did with the people that were getting out and going getting in trouble. And, and I never knew that you could have fun as a Christian until I met some people that taught me how to have fun as a Christian. And I can actually honor Jesus in the things that I do for fun. The time that I spend with my friends. The way that I treat my spouse is first and foremost about my love for my Savior. My hobbies and the things that occupy my time, I can do them in the name of and for the glory of God the Father. And the good old nothing bucket. Did you know that it's possible to even honor God in your quiet? And as you reflect and as you think and as you meditate on on all of the things that have gone on in your day, the best way to fill up your Jesus bucket is by honoring him in everything that we do. This was the model that that Paul had in mind when he said, everything that you do, whatever you do in word or deed, do everything for and in the name of Jesus, your Savior. So, So here's the question that you and I have to answer is Jesus just another bucket that we're trying to fill up? In week one we said, is he just another thing on the list? Is he, just a, is he top at the list of your priorities or does he inform everything on your list of priorities? What would have to change for this to be the picture of your life? Instead of a different bucket for every facet. What would it look like for Jesus to inform everything else that you do? For him to be the reason that you go to work. For him to be the way that you respond to your children and to your wife and to your friends. For him to inform the things that you do for fun. What does a for Jesus parent look like? What does a for Jesus spouse, an employee, boss, co-worker, Friend, what does a for Jesus person look like? It looks like this. That's the idea that Paul had in mind for us. That should be the goal. Let's pray together. Father, God, I know that for a lot of us, this feels familiar. It feels like the way that that we want it to be, but God, I think so often we get distracted and we get confused and we... Father, sometimes step outside of the design that you have for our lives. Father, when you desire that your son, that the model that he set before us, the things that he taught and the way that he directed us to live, God, we want that to inform everything. But, Father, it's so easy to compartmentalize. It is so easy to, to be a different version of ourselves in the different atmospheres in which we find ourselves. God, it is my prayer that the people of Fusion City Church will be known as a people who are the same every day and in every situation, and they are a people who desperately love your son and are grateful for the life that has been extended to them in a relationship with you through him. So, Father, today, it's my prayer for, for, for my life. God, I hope it's the prayer for every person represented in this room that, God, you would make us a people who are for Jesus and that our interactions with others would scream that he is the influence that drives our everyday interactions. Father, we thank you for loving us. We thank you for the, the privilege and the power that we have to be able to come to you in prayer. And we have that, Father, through Jesus, your son. It is in his name I pray. Amen.